In Exodus chapter 33, begin in verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, depart and go up from here. Listen to this. You and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt. You notice he's uh, not claiming them anymore. He said, depart from here, you and the people that you brought out of the land of Egypt to the land, which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob saying to your descendants, I will give it. He said in verse two, I'll send my angel before you and I'll drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite. Verse three, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I'm not going with you. He said, you go, but I'm not going with you. I will not go up in your midst lest I consume you on the way for you are a stiff necked people. God's going, I'm not going with you. Y'all go. If I go, I might kill the whole bunch of you. <laughs> your stubbornness, your hard headedness, your hard heartedness. God had had it with these people. And he told Moses, I ain't going. I'm not going with you. It says in verse 12, skip ahead. Moses said to the Lord, see, now look, you say to me, bring up this people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name and you also have found grace in my sight. Now Moses is talking to God in a way that not everybody got to talk to him. In the verse before this, you read where the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Now we know from later in this chapter, that doesn't mean that Moses literally got to see God's face because he asked to. He said, I want to see your glory. I want to see the part of you that makes you, you. Now the, the whole conversation leading up to that, Moses was getting some, getting some stuff, man. He was getting some stuff from God. Everything was going Moses' way. And so I like to say this is where Moses kind of goes all in. Show me your glory. And God essentially looked at him and said, I could show you, but then I'd have to kill you. No man can see my face and live. So what does it mean that they spoke face to face like a man speaks to his friend? I believe it means they spoke in a very intimate way. They spoke with no pretense between them. And you can hear that in the way Moses is speaking to God. He said, no, wait a second. Because God told him, look, I ain't going with you. I'm going to kill the whole bunch of you. I am not going with you. And Moses said, notice what his first word, see. We say, look, come on, look. You said we're going but you didn't tell me who's going with me, huh? And speaking of all this, you said I found grace in your sight. What's the deal here? What is he saying? Something doesn't make sense. Something doesn't add up. I found grace, but you're not going? I found grace, but you're not going? He said, I found grace. You said I found grace in your sight. Verse 13, now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you and that I might find or I might continue to find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And in verse 14, God said, fine. That's my paraphrase, but that's essentially what he said. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. 
Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. What did Moses say to him? He's talking like he would to a friend. If your presence doesn't go, don't send us up. You know what he's saying to him? If you ain't going, we ain't going. And that's smart. I said, that's smart. That's a mentality that you and I would be smart to adopt in our own lives. If he ain't going, we ain't going. I'm not going without the presence of God. And can you see the connection here between the presence of God and finding grace in his sight. Everything we've talked about for two months, that the grace of God is, his help, his favor, his forgiveness, his strengthening, his enabling, all of this and so much more can be summed up in one statement. It's his presence. It's his presence. His presence with you. And this is supposed to be one of the distinguishing characteristics of the child of God is his presence with us. One of the distinguishing marks of God's children should be God's presence with his children. So as we talk about him helping us, what are we saying? He's with us. The help of his Holy Spirit is God with us. As we talk about his grace being what strengthens us, what are we saying? He's present. His presence with us. Now, what did I say to you a moment ago? I'm not content just to talk about something. I don't want you leaving here today with some facts and figures about the presence of God. <laughs> that does nothing for anybody. I want to talk about this until it becomes, thank you, Lord, the air we're breathing. His presence with us. What did Moses say? If you ain't going, we ain't going. Husbands, wives, listen, this needs to be one of the main themes in your home. As you make decisions about where you're headed as a family, what you're going to do, if there's a move coming up, the big thing you need to be able to answer is, is the presence of the Lord in that? Because if he ain't going, come on, help me. We ain't going. I'm not doing this without him because if I don't have his presence, then I don't have his grace. And if I don't have his grace, I don't have his help. I don't have his strength. I don't have his enablings. I don't have what I need to have. If he ain't going, we ain't going. He said, how then, verse 16, will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? Church, his presence, his presence on your life and in your home is the proof that you found grace. 
that you found grace in his sight. And just in that statement alone, there's tons of revelation. Find grace in his sight. What does that mean? It means you found out that's the only place grace is found is in knowing how he sees you. That's grace found in his sight. And this is supposed to be one of the distinguishing characteristics of the grace of God in the people of God. His, if the grace of God is on you, then the presence of God is with you. Now here's where I want you just to listen for just a minute. Let me just read to you a few things that the scripture says about the presence of God and God being with you. You see that statement over and over, Old Testament and New, God was with this person and God was with them and God was with them and what that enabled them to do. The, the Bible says this about a man named Joseph in the book of Genesis chapter 39. The Lord was with Joseph. That's his presence, right? The Lord was with Joseph and here's the result. He was a successful man. Now people aren't always quick to put the two together. But I want us to be quick to identify grace. And when success is happening in our lives, that we're quick to say, that's the Lord with us. That's God with me. That's his grace on me. The Lord was with Joseph. He was a successful man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all he did to prosper. Now look at the connection. So Joseph found favor in his sight. Here's the connection between the grace of God and the presence of God. You remember a man named Joshua, Joshua chapter one, verse nine, the Lord spoke to him and said, have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord. Your God is with you. This is what happens in the presence of God. Fear leaves, fear leaves. Now we know that's just purely on a, on a natural basis. We know what happens when we're in intense situations and fearful situations. There's a difference between walking, some, walking through something like that on your own and walking through it with somebody by you. Just having somebody else present helps to suck the fear out of the situation. Man, I learned this in a big way. My senior year in high school, my grandfather came to me and said, hey, how'd you like to learn to fly? And uh, I didn't want to tell him. I was a little nervous at the thought of it, kind of fearful about it. But, but Papa said, hey, if you want to do it, I'll help you with it. I'll put you through it. We'll get you an instructor. So senior year of high school, I went into flight school. And started learning to fly and went through the groundwork and went through the, uh, the, the initial flying, gaining hours, building hours. About 20 hours of flight time in is when they want you to do your first solo. Do you know what the word solo means? It means that dude's getting out of the airplane and you're going to be in there by yourself. Now I had flown with this guy, I had an instructor, flown with him, like I said, for about 20 hours or so uh, when you put it all together. But it came time to do my first solo. And we flew out to uh, my grandparents' ministry. There's an airport there on the property. And my family was there watching everybody come to see Jeremy do his first solo. <laughs> what I didn't realize when you're flying these, these little airplanes, Cessna 172, small, not, not, not much power at all. When this guy who I'd been flying with, who's 200 and whatever pounds, gets out of the airplane, it totally changes everything. <laughs> I didn't really put all that together. 
So he gets out. Mom and dad are standing there watching. There's this, just a small little group of family and friends. I taxi down to the end of that runway and I take off, come around the pattern. Nothing looks right. Nothing looks the same. This, everything has changed. Why? Because this guy got out. I'm nervous. I'm afraid. I got sweat the size of baseballs dripping down my back. And I go around. Didn't even land. Didn't even come. I'm supposed to do three touch and goes. You know what touch and go is? It's where you come down, you take off again. I'm supposed to do three of those to pass my first solo. I come around the first time, didn't even land. Do a go around, come around. I'm thinking, Jeremy, you have to put this thing on the ground at some point. <laughs> so I come in, I line it all up. But there again, I didn't factor for the, for the weight differential that had just gotten out of the airplane. And 200 and whatever pounds is enough to make a difference. I slammed that airplane into the ground so hard. That thing, I didn't crash, but bounced up off the ground. It looked like a basketball going down that runway. <laughs> And I thought, dear God, I got to do this two more times. <laughs> I took off again. I start coming around. I look out and where mom and dad were standing, a fire truck pulls up. <laughs> you know how you process things all at once? I'm going, now somebody either called these folks before I ever took off or they saw the first landing and got here as quick as they could. Either way, I'm not confident right now. I've got emergency medical staff standing by. And I did that second landing and thank God it was a little better. And then I did the third landing and it was pretty good. But I just remember that feeling of being solo. Solo. And I felt it, man. Being alone. And I had worked up a little bit of confidence flying with the guy, but man, when I was on my own, it was a totally different thing. And I say all that to tell you this, what happens to fear when you know you're not alone? When you're confident, I am not alone. Now, people famously have said for years, God is my co-pilot. If God's your co-pilot, switch seats, man, because you are, that, that's wrong. Just get that corrected right away. He's way better at it than you are. Trust me. And the Lord helped me with it. And I thank God for it. But I just, uh, again, I just remember that feeling of being alone and the fear that came with it. But what did God tell Joshua? Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Be bold. Be courageous. Okay, Lord, where's that courage going to come from? Where's that strength going to come from? I'm here. I'm with you. I'm present with you. The Bible said this about Mary, the mother of Jesus, when the angel of the Lord came and spoke to her in Luke chapter 1. He said, rejoice, highly favored one. What's that mean? Great grace is on you, girl. You got some mega grace on you. Rejoice, he said, highly favored one. The Lord is with you and blessed are you among women. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor. You have found grace with God. Don't be afraid. You're in the presence of God. God is in your presence. God is with you. Do you realize the same thing was said about Jesus? 
Now, weeks ago, we studied the grace of God on Jesus, the grace that was on him from the time he was born and the grace that he grew and how he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor. That's grace with God and with men. And that's what was happening in Jesus' life for those first 30 years of his life. He was doing one thing, growing in this grace and growing in this grace and growing in it and growing in it and growing in it till you get to John chapter one. And the Bible says, we all beheld the glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace, full and overflowing with grace and truth. And John said, and we all have received of that grace, grace upon grace upon grace. See, Jesus grew in it and he kept growing in it. And as he kept growing in it, he kept overflowing with it. And I guess the point is here that the people around you and around me are receiving from us whatever we're full of. Whatever we're overflowing with, that's what people are getting from you. Now, if you are full of yourself and overflowing with you, you might be a nice guy, a nice girl, but that's not what the people around you are in need of. They need us full and overflowing with this same grace, grace upon grace upon grace. And church, as you grow in it, it, it's filling up on the inside of you and there's coming, oh, glory to God, this is what I'm so excited about. There's coming a tipping point. There's coming a boiling point. There's only so much you can put in a container that when it fills up, one more drop and that thing starts to overflow and you just keep filling and filling and filling, and then it begins to overflow and overflow. And that's what people around you are getting, that overflow. And I'm telling you, there's coming a tipping point in this church. There's coming a tipping point in your life and in your house where you spend this kind of time growing in this grace and feeding on this word. It's going to fill up in you and it will overflow. Say praise God. Say amen if you believe it. This is what happened in Jesus. And the Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 10, you know, this verse, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. That's how Jesus did what Jesus did. God was with him. That was the source of every miracle. God was with him, the presence of God on him. Well, I thought it was the grace on him. That's what I said. The grace of God on him is the presence of God with him. And it got to the point where even religious people, you remember Nicodemus came to him in John chapter three and he, he, the Bible says he came by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. This is what people began to recognize about Jesus. God's with him. The presence of God is all over him. That's how he did these things. That's how he worked these miracles. God was with him. God was with Joseph. God was with Joshua. God was with Mary. God was with Jesus. And I'm telling you, church, God is with you. He's with you. Jesus said it to his disciples in Matthew chapter 19. He said, with men, it's impossible. But with God, somebody say, with God. with 
all things are possible. Listen to that scripture from the Weist translation. I know this is a lot of scripture, but I'm, I'm wanting to prove something to you this morning. From the Weist translation, it says, Jesus, having turned his eyes upon them and having considered them, said to them, in the presence of men. So this is bringing more clarity and definition to what it means to be either with men or with God. Jesus said, with men, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. Listen to what that means. He said to them, in the presence of men, as men look at this. So whatever situation, whatever impossibility you're presently staring down the barrel of, with men... In the presence of men, which also means as men look at it, as people look at it, the way people look at it, it is impossible and it will remain impossible. But then he said, with God. Well, what does it mean to be with God? The scripture says it like this, but in the presence of God, as he looks at it. Here's one of the big things that changes as you are more and increasingly aware of the presence of God in your life. The way you see things begins to change. I have spent nearly every day of the last 14 plus years of my life with a girl named Sarah. And in that time, just being around her, I see things in a way I didn't see them when I lived outside her presence. That's not uncommon. It happens all the time. Have you noticed that the more time you spend with somebody, the more you begin to see it the way they see it. Something you thought you'd never think that way about it. I'd never say that. I'd never do that. And the more time you spend with that person, it just gets on you. And you start seeing things the way they see things. And now all these years later, whether I'm in the room with her or not, I can tell you with almost a thousand percent surety, this is what Sarah Hart would say. This is what Sarah Hart would do. How can I be so confident? I've been with her. And I see things the way she sees things. And she would say the same thing to you. After all these years with me, she can speak with confidence on my behalf. I know Jeremy would say it like this. I know he would do it like this. I see it the way he sees it. How did that happen? Did I sit down with her when we got married with this big book of the way I see things? No. It happened as the result of being in each other's presence. That's it. Just prolong time in each other's presence. And whatever impossibility you're facing, here's the thing. If you just continue to stay in the presence of men on that, it'll stay impossible. What do I mean by that? Well, you see it the way people see it. We've got this problem. I know what to do. Let's Google it. <laughs> and there's a million responses. And all of it, most all of it is going to be the way men see it. And as long as you just keep company there and you just stay in the presence of other people or you stay talking with other people that, that don't believe in faith and they're not going to approach it according to the word of God and, and somebody sees your problem and go, oh yeah, man, that is rough. 
that is bad. Oh my gosh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What man, I'm glad I'm not in your shoes. What are you going to do? That's impossible. That's impossible. That's impossible. As long as you stay in the presence of people who see it that way, that's how you'll see it. It'll never change. But whatever impossibility you're facing right now, the, the first thing that really needs to happen is you need to change the way you see it. You might think, well, the first thing that's got to happen is all, all these natural things have got to change. We got to change this element. We got to change this part of it. No, what has to happen first is you have to change the way you see it. How's that going to happen? Get with God. Go get into his presence. Because the more time you spend with him, the more you begin to see things the way he sees things. And you start seeing things from his perspective. And all of a sudden, what looks so big is so small. What looked impossible, all of a sudden you're looking at it going, now wait a second, no, this is not impossible. This can be done because with God, all things are possible. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.